This morning, as we think about Thanksgiving coming, I decided that I would take us to a, a familiar story that's in the Gospels, one that we likely all have heard along the way and, and probably even feel like maybe we know by memory. Um, it's the story that is often called the feeding of the 5,000. And I was struck this week, I, I didn't connect these dots beforehand, I, I wasn't that smart, but um, I was struck this week by the fact that on a week when I had planned to preach on this passage, uh, just this past Wednesday, a whole bunch of you joined us right over here and packed bags uh, that would go out to the community to almost 1,200 families, which actually represented about 5,000 people. And so the feeding of the 5,000 happened right here this week, folks. We were a part of that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing, yeah, and the other thing that struck me about that, what a wonderful thing that we get to be a part of. The other thing that struck me about that is that sometimes the miracles of God happen through the hands and the hearts of God's people uh, who choose to offer themselves in ways so that what God wants to do can actually be done, which is actually what happens in this story as well. Uh, and so let me invite you to hear this reading from the sixth chapter of John, beginning with the first verse. After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than half a year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, a youth here has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives today. Amen. So in getting started this morning uh, and entering this story, I want to back up for a moment first uh, because it's helpful for us to remember what has happened 
in the fifth chapter of John that kind of sets up the sixth chapter of John. At the beginning of the fifth chapter, we hear one of the healing stories uh, where Jesus sees a person in need and a person who has been suffering and chooses to offer healing. And there are those around the man who is healed who celebrate that and who give thanks, and certainly the man does himself. But then there are some religious leaders who don't exactly like Jesus messing with the system that they're quite comfortable with at the time. And they don't think he should be stirring up trouble by doing things outside of the norm. And so they are uh, they're upset, they are angry, and the scripture tells us that some of them are so angry that they want to kill him. Well, Jesus responds to him, responds to them uh, quite strongly and sternly to make sure it is clear what his mission is and what his purpose is. And you can imagine that would have been a tough scene for Jesus to encounter and would be exhausting. And so at the beginning of chapter 6, what John is telling us is that Jesus with his disciples, is stepping away for a little bit of peace and quiet. They cross over the sea, which maybe is a literal crossing across the water, but is also a figurative passing from one setting that was very contentious and very difficult to one where he is hoping to just rest for a little while because even Jesus needed some rest. But no sooner do we hear that he has gone across with his disciples than we also hear that the great crowd followed him. Here they all come, all the people who have seen what he can do, who have heard about his healing and his ability to take care of persons, and they want more. And so as the scene unfolds in the verses that follow, there are three moments where I want us to just pause today and take a look at what is happening. The first of those moments is the encounter that we see between Jesus and Philip when they both and perhaps all of the other disciples realize what is happening, that this great swarm of people, 5,000 of them, is coming toward them at that moment when they thought they were stepping away from everything. They both see the crowd coming. They have very different responses. Jesus sees them and has compassion. Philip sees them and has panic. What in the world are we going to do? 5,000 people, Jesus. And so John, the way John uh, tells this story for us is that Jesus asks Philip a question. And, and, and the question is really to prime the pump. Jesus wants to see how Philip and perhaps the other disciples will respond to the situation that is unfolding. So he says to Philip, where, where are we going to buy food? Philip has kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it all. And in this moment, the two of them are asking very different questions. The question Jesus is asking is how are we going to care for these people that God has sent our way in this moment. The question that Philip is asking is how much is it going to cost us to care for these people? And how much is it going to demand of me right now? 
You know, the gospel time and time again invites us to see people as Jesus sees them and to be prepared to offer compassion and to meet them in their need, even if it might be costly. The second moment where I want to pause is the one where the boy with the bento box shows up. It happens right after what we've just seen, and and Andrew somehow has become aware that there is a child in the crowd who has packed a lunch and apparently has offered it for Jesus' use. I don't know about you, but I sure wish we knew more about the boy. (laughs) I wish we knew more about how he got there that day. Did he come by himself? Uh, Were his parents with him? Was he there with a sibling or siblings? Did he cross the lake over to get there? Did he know Jesus before? Had he seen Jesus do other miracles? You know, there are all kinds of questions that pop up for me. I just love to know more. We don't know more, of course, and that's okay. What we do know is that he has some food, and, and he's happy to share that news. Hey, I have some food. That's just like a kid, isn't it? Right? Kids lead the way for us sometimes. When we're like, when we're like, mm, I'm just going to be quiet over here. You know, it's the kids. We saw it this past Wednesday. If you were here, you saw it, or if you've seen the videos, you've, you know. It was the kids who were eagerly moving through this space, putting food into the bags, and then putting the bags on carts, and then pushing the carts through this space to the different locations where we were setting up those that went to different organizations in our community that would then distribute all the food to the people, the families who will receive it. Kids do that. Childlike faith, they just jump in and they say, hey, I've got something. I can do something. I can do it. Actually, it makes me think of a song that Anna Moo wrote years ago. Some of you all know Anna Moo, right? A member of our congregation. I can do it by myself. I can do it. Anyway. <laughs> um, Kids are like that. Sure, I can do it. I have some food. The third moment is Jesus' response after he learns about the boy who has the bento box. And he receives that gift. And as he receives it, he takes the bread. And in a moment that anticipates a future one, that as those who knows the rest of the story, we kind of see what's coming, right? Jesus takes the bread and he lifts it and he breaks it and he gives thanks. We're already getting a glimpse of what's to come on the night before he dies. But what caught my attention this week as I looked at this story again is that he breaks the bread and then he gives thanks. And I thought to myself, of course he gives thanks to God. And I wonder what else the crowd heard Jesus giving thanks for in that moment. I just have a feeling that he probably gave thanks for the boy. He gave thanks for the boy who was willing to offer what he had and and by doing so was an example and an inspiration for others around him. I'm guessing he may have given thanks for his friends, the disciples, who went with him everywhere he traveled. 
that was hard work. And he was thankful for their commitment to doing that with him. I can imagine he might have given thanks for the crowd that day. This wonderful gathering of people that God had sent so that he might bless them with an extraordinary measure of God's grace and abundance on that day. And I'm thinking he probably was thankful for this moment of blessing and opportunity that followed another moment that had been so difficult and perhaps even heartbreaking for him. Jesus giving thanks. And as, as Jesus was giving thanks, I wonder if people in the crowd started giving thanks of their own as they began to think about their own blessings and the way in which they might offer thanks also. You know, when we start from a place of thanks, it improves our eyesight. It helps us see more clearly and it colors our world differently. Especially when we learn to do it as scripture invites us to in all circumstances. To find ways and reasons for thanksgiving no matter what the circumstances are that we find ourselves in. I think this video does a good job of maybe giving us a window into that kind of living. Take a look. Thank you, God, for trusting me to be his dad. Thank you, Lord, that when a door closes, you're still going to take care of me. And thank you for cheetahs and pickles and fairings and mommies and daddy. Thank you, Father, <laughs> for always giving me perspective. I'm so sorry. Thank you, God, that you are the great physician of both my body and my soul. Father, thank you for knowing my family's needs even before I do. And for ladybugs and old people and Disney movies and Miss Walker and donuts. Thank you for reminding me that I'm never alone. Thank you, God, for what I have. And also, I wouldn't mind an upgrade soon.
thank you, Father God, for love, joy, peace, and patience. Lord, especially patience. And thank you for Jesse, even though he's mean during recess. Help him find a good friend. That's what he needs. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for childlike faith. Thank you, God, for childlike faith, the kind that we see in the boy who shows up at the feeding in the scripture today, the kind that we see in the little girl in that video as she goes through her litany of thanks, the kind that we see in our own children that are a part of our community of faith right here at Trinity. Thank you, God, for childlike faith, the kind that is eager to give thanks and the kind that enables us to open our hands and share what we have for God's purposes. Did you know that this is the only miracle that shows up in all four Gospels? There are lots of miracles that show up in more than one of the Gospels, but the only miracle that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell us about is this one. People remembered this event, and the news spread about it. And it clearly was important to the gospel writers and to the early church to make sure that it was preserved and shared. Because it has something so important to teach us about trusting in God's provision on the one hand and about God's ability to use what we have to offer on the other. And that when those two things come together, miracles happen. Wonders to perform. You know how the story ends. Leftovers! Right? Which is what a bunch of us are going to be trying to cram into Tupperware containers later this week and shove into the nooks and crannies of the refrigerator. Leftovers. The story tells us that Jesus, not wanting to waste a thing, tells the disciples to gather up all the fragments and there are 12 baskets full of them. Because that's how it is. When we share what we can and trust God to do the rest, there is always more than enough. God has provided each one of us with a Thanksgiving basket, a basket over which we can give thanks as we consider the blessings in our lives, and a basket from which we can offer something to share and see what God does with it. 
Will you do that with me? Might we all allow God to use what we each have to share and see what wonders God decides to do? Will you pray with me? Oh God, you are so good and so faithful. Giver of every good gift. Blessing and surprising us in abundance. We pause right now to take a moment and in each of our own hearts consider some of the things for which we are thankful. Holy God, receive our thanks and our praise, and may it prompt us to be generous servants who trust in you and who look forward to seeing all that you might do in what is yet to come for our lives, for our families, for your church. And for a kingdom on earth that looks more like the one in heaven. Amen.